Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Pittsburgh Steelers Morning Podcast. Mock Draft Edition 3.0. My name is Brian Giardo, and once again, we're going to have Scott Allen <clears throat> joining the program. And uh, if you're listening to this, uh, well, obviously you are um, on a pre-recorded uh, version of this show. Uh, we're actually broadcasting this on Friday afternoon, and it has been, we, and we're going to spend the bulk of this podcast on the uh, on the Steelers Mock Draft. That means Scott have worked on this week, but it's been a pretty busy last 24 hours. Uh, the Steelers. 2016 regular season schedule uh, was released uh, Thursday night, and then on Friday afternoon, the Steelers decided to part ways with Cortez Allen. The Steelers injured and embattled cornerback that just could never seem to stay healthy uh, long enough to make an impact um, on the team. So, so Scott, real quick, you know, before we get into our mock draft, and uh, good to have you on with us again. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on Cortez Allen's uh, release from the Steelers? Well, it's good to be here with Steelers Nation again, Brian. Thanks for having me. Um, I, I think it can only mean good things. He didn't play last year. Um, it's unfortunate for him, obviously, personally. But as a Steelers fan, you know, it's time to move on. We need help in that secondary. Uh, he was probably not going to be able to deliver that. Um, I think he had one good year with us, got the big contract. And, you know, we're we're ready to go draft. We're ready to get some young talent in the draft to help us in the secondary. And, you know, like I said, it's unfortunate for him. Had a lot of potential, had that uh, one good year. You know, it was kind of like when we got Boykin last year, you know, a couple years ago with Allen, we're like, hey, this might be our guy. This might be somebody who can shut shut people down. But it just didn't happen, and uh, we wish him the best. You're right. You know, it, it, it's one of those things where the Steelers, you know, they were kind of at a place where – um, you know, there's three scenarios with Cortez, I'm sure, that was going on in their mind. I mean, you know, your A goal is that he can return from his uh, health issues and you're 100% confident or as confident as you can be that he's going to be able to contribute uh, next season. Um, then there's the B goal, which is that, you know, you're not really sure, but you're willing to give him a try. You're, you're willing to take that risk and spend that money. Uh, and then C, uh, you know, you just have no faith in him and, and, and it may as well just let him try to go somewhere else. I think – this scenario was not even close to being the A scenario, and it was more the B and C. I mean, Tomlin, uh, during the NFL owners' meetings last month, pretty much came out and said, you know, I don't know how healthy this guy is. And this is a guy they gave a $25 million contract to a few years back. I mean, they've already – I mean, I think it's safe to say, I think you would agree, the, the, the Cortez Allen experiment's been a failure. I mean, it has been. And, and the Steelers, is, as well uh, as Kevin Colbert has done, bring in players, re-sign the right players, uh, that – this this didn't work out, and you know some of it's just you know it's 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 just how it goes. I mean, uh, Cortez Allen. I mean, the thing is, we don't really don't know how good he was going to be because he just couldn't stay healthy. So, from a performance standpoint, it, it's not like a knock on Colbert's evaluation abilities because you know you it's hard to evaluate who's going to be durable. I mean, a lot of it's just just freak injuries. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, uh, to my recollection, was not injured much during you know during his time at Michigan State. He's had two. Uh, you know, pretty substantial knee injuries his first two NFL seasons. I would say his first one wasn't wasn't too serious. I mean, he probably would have played if the Steelers would have gotten to the third round of the, the playoffs back in 2014. But I digress. And, yeah, the other thing, Scott, I mean, before we get into the mock draft, I mean, just kind of, you know, scan, skimming over the, uh, the 2016 schedule, the first thing that stuck out to me, well, there's two things that really stuck out to me. 
how exposed the Steelers are going to be this season. I mean, you talk about America's team. I don't know how it's not the Steelers. I mean, I think they're the first team in NFL history to have regular season games on Thanksgiving Day, Christmas Day, and New Year's Day. And the fact that this this schedule is very similar to the one uh, the Steelers had back in 2008, the last time they won a Super Bowl. Um, I think they're playing 13 of the uh, similar games to the ones they played in 16. So all the three games will show different opponents than they had in, in you know, 2008 and 2016. So those are my initial thoughts. Did you have anything extra there? Uh, me looking over the schedule, there's a couple games that stand out to me. Obviously, the Patriots coming into Heinz Field. Uh, I believe that's at the end of October. Um, really looking forward to that. Obviously, anytime Brady and Belichick are coming in, uh, that's something any Steelers fan's got to get hyped up for. I believe the last time they were there, we, we did beat them. So, um, yeah, a lot of similarities uh, to 2008. Uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but one game I'm not looking forward to is the very first game at Washington on Monday night. Um, I saw that game, and I just – I know we haven't played well there in the preseason. I'm pretty sure we won there in 08 with Leftwich, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there just seems like something about going to Washington – whereas we don't play very well at Washington. Why, I don't know, but uh, right. hopefully that's not the case, and hopefully we we open up Monday night with a victory. I will say this, excluding the elements that you just said, kind of the intangible things, we don't play well in Washington or whatnot, and the fact that I mean, Monday night this is a team that you know just went to the playoffs last year. They're, they're psyched up. You know They got who they hope and think is you know could be their franchise quarterback in Kirk Cousins. For me, I think it's the best team the Steelers could have opened up with because it's a legitimate playoff team. They're certainly not out of the realm of, of – I mean, they were 9-7, and seven, so it's not like they were one of the better-end playoff teams. I mean, they're kind of like the Steelers. They, this was the team that got in – I mean, <clears throat> pardon me, they were ranked higher than the Steelers because the Steelers, uh, despite winning more games than Washington, as we both know, um, had to go the wild card route because they didn't win the division. Uh, Washington was in the worst division in football, so despite – winning one less game than the Steelers actually were a higher seed in the playoffs. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, you know, I would say that, that going in, this is a, a nice opponent in terms of record, in terms of what they did last year, in terms of what they hope to do this year. And I also think that, you know, what, what was the big question mark with the Steelers last year? The big question mark was pass defense. Well, Washington's not a very good running team. And now with Alfred Morris gone, you know, who knows how efficient they're going to be running the football, and even so, in Gruden's offense, it's never been predicated on running. So you're going to – I mean, I would be shocked if they rush for over 80, 90 yards against the Steelers' defense. They probably won't try that much uh, as they stand now before the draft. How you know? So I would assume that the Steelers are going to see a lot of passing, a lot of shorts. Uh, the Bengals like to do kind of that West Coast thing. Remember, Gruden used to play in Cincinnati, and the Bengals have kind of stayed with that kind of offense similar to what Gruden runs now. So I think for the Steelers – based on what they're going to face down the road and based on the challenges from last year and the question marks, I think this is a great opening game. Plus, the Steelers, you know, they're going to have to get used to playing on prime time, you know, under the lights. Traditionally, unlike Cincinnati, they've done very well in prime time games, especially under Cow or under Tomlin. And even under Noel, they were good, even though at that time, prime time games were just kind of becoming a new element to the NFL and just kind of entertainment and sports in general. So, but, yeah, I think it's a good schedule. I, I think uh, week eight, I don't know when you think I like that time for a bye week. If you remember, 
the Steelers had a bye week uh, week 11 of last year. I think that was just a little too late. I think that was two weeks too late. If you if you remember, that was kind of when Ben was going through his second round of injuries, had the mid, mid-foot sprain uh, in week nine, and kind of – I mean, the Steelers literally hobbled into the bye week. So, I think – ideally, I think week nine is, like, obviously perfect because that's midway through the season. But, you know, week eight – they might be a little sluggish uh, going down the backstretch, but I think, again, the league did a good job because their last four opponents, Bills, Bengals, and then two home games against Ravens, Browns. So, yes, the Steelers might be, you know, a little, uh, you know, where for worse uh, down the stretch, but the schedule, you know, evens out where they're not playing. I mean, they're playing one team with a winning record in the last month, and that's the Bengals who you know they're going to be up for. You know, so I think in general it's a it's a fair schedule. I would not say it's easy at all. I know that's kind of been uh, one thing I've been hearing. I don't think it's easy at all, but only time will tell. So, um, well, we we've got those things under you know off our chest, and let's let's get to the, the of what we want to do here, which is the mock draft uh, again. Me and Scott um, both went. I, I want to say I think we both went cornerback in the no, actually I went defensive tackle in the first round last time. So Scott, once again, I'll give you the honors. Who is uh, your uh, first draft pick for the Steelers in our second mock draft to be? Well, my first pick in the second mock draft. Well, it looks like we lost Scott there for a second, so I'll go ahead and give mine, and uh, we'll try to get Scott back with us as soon as we can. Um so we'll get to we'll get to my mock draft. And I, you know what? I mean, there's so many cornerbacks the Steelers are talking about. You've got the Kyle Kyle Joseph kind of out there. That's kind of, to me the, the biggest question as we wait to get Scott back here on the line uh, is you know whether or not he's going to be healthy. You know, I, I he had that he suffered an injury, kind of held him back last year. So you know, the thing is, I, I wrote my last mock draft. We could get him in the second round. I don't know if he's going to be available or not. I really don't. So. I actually, uh, in, in my uh, round two here, I'm going to go first here, I have Andrew Billings from Baylor. He was a guy I wanted to go with in my, in my last, uh, or my first um, podcast uh, mock draft. But I don't know, for whatever reason, I just don't, I didn't think at that time that the Steelers were really going to go defensive tackle when there's Justin Hargrave, there's some guys down the line, there's the guy from Texas. You know, there, there's so many that could, you, know, you could get maybe later, and given again, given the Steelers' needs at cornerback, I just didn't foresee them going with Billings. But again, I mean, when you read more about the Steelers and you read more about their draft plans, they are really high on this guy, and I think initially they didn't think they could get him. So I think that's a, a lot of the reasons why uh, a lot of draft analysts said that Billings, uh, you know, might not be there for the Steelers. But but recently, for whatever reason, his draft stock has kind of dropped a little bit to the point where the Steelers actually might have a chance um, of getting this guy. So I think that's who they're going to go with. And I, and I think that being said, I think the Steelers, and I said this in the past, I, I, I think this, and still think the Steelers could draft. I think instead of doing that and, and getting a guy late, I think they're just going to swing big after the first round and, and get, you know, a cornerback and a safety um, with their second and third pick. So I think Scott's rejoining us now. So I went with Andrew Billings. Scott, who do you have in the first round? Uh in the first round, I got Sean Robinson, defensive tackle, Alabama. He's 6'4", 320 pounds, gives you side, speed, and strength. Uh, he blocks passes. He finds the ball carrier. He gives you option at D-line. He can uh, 
come in the 3-4 nose tackle. Uh, he can play on the 4-3 if we uh, bring McCullers in. If, if McCullers can't uh, get the job done, this guy is going to be there to take the job. Um, but if McCullers excels, and then when they bring the nickel in, they can have all four of them out there on the D-line. So uh, he's got a champion pedigree, and I like his uh, strength, and I think that's a good pick for the Steelers, and he may fall to them. Uh, for the second round, um, I've got Artie Burns, cornerback out of Miami, six foot one ninety. Uh, he's moving up the draft boards right now. He's fiery. He's got tenacity. He had six picks last year. He runs a, a four point four six forty, and he fills a need. Uh, you know, you need to make that secondary better. I, I believe this guy will make the secondary better, and uh, he can also help on the run. Uh, he's not afraid to tackle. So those are my first two picks. I like him. I like him. And actually, just to kind of reprise what I did last week, I went with uh, um, the cornerback out of Houston in the first round, William Jackson the third. So then I went with Andrew Billings to mix it up. And then last week I had Jeremy Cash, who Cash actually had a, a personal pro day this past week that I know the Steelers were interested in. Um, the Steelers hosted a slew of players early on in the week, and then it kind of tailored off. There's no reported – uh, player prospect visits. I, in all honesty, I think the Steelers are pretty much done. Uh, they might meet with a few other people, but I think obviously with two weeks to go, I think they have a pretty firm, like most teams, I think have a pretty firm grasp on their on their game plan and pending anything crazy changes. Kind of like what the Rams just did with, with moving around their draft picks. I think the Steelers pretty much know what they're going to do two weeks from now. Um, so with my second pick, uh, last week I said uh, the Duke safety, Jeremy Cash, and uh, for my second pick now, I'm going to go with Carl Joseph. And initially, I had Von Bell here, and that's what you did uh, last week. But I don't know. I, you, you know, Mike Tomlin, and the only reason why I picked Joseph over Bell was I think the if Joseph is healthy, the upside on him is higher than Bell's. I think we have a pretty good idea of what Bell can do, and I think he is going to be a solid starting safety in the NFL. But, but when I look at Joseph and I look at his highlights, and, I mean, full disclosure, I don't watch a lot of West Virginia football, but from what I've seen, um, looks like he has a lot more game-breaking ability. The only question mark is, is he really going to last until the 58th pick? I, I just think that's the biggest uh, That's the biggest question mark. You know, I don't know if he's going to be there. Again, he, he suffered a pretty bad knee injury, um, but, you know, there was a documentary on him uh, earlier this week I was watching on ESPN, and, man, this guy is getting after it, though. Um I know there were some, some character things kind of floating around about him, but um, the Steelers wouldn't even be considering this guy if there were character issues, especially, you know, the last couple of years with Mark Davis Bryant and then, you know, with Garrett Blunt, Le'Veon Bell. The Steelers, I think, are definitely trying to, to, to win more on the PR side. So, you know, I, I, I'm going to trust they've done their homework on Joseph. And, I mean, this guy's a big hitter. He's not afraid to, to, to play the run. But that also might be a double-edged sword for him because, you know, sometimes – like Antoine Blake, unfortunately, learned sometimes you you know your physicality and being over aggressive sometimes can be a detraction. So he's going to have to learn when to to lay a lick on someone, and you know as opposed to just getting a regular tackle or just trying to veer someone out of bounds. Again, I love his tenacity, I love his toughness, but you know that's the big thing is you know is anybody going to take a chance on him before the Steelers get to him? Because this guy, I mean, he could still be a first round pick. I I highly doubt it, especially given the depth at the, at the secondary uh, position coming out, but you never know. So hopefully he's there. And if he is there, I think the Steelers are going to take him with the second pick. So that brings us to your third pick, Scott, who do you got the Steelers taking 89th overall? 
Well, the Steelers' third-round pick, I'm going to go with the playmaker here, and it's also going to fill a need. I'm going with Tyler Irvin, running back, kick returner, punt returner out of San Jose State. 5'10", 192, special teams role. Like I said, he could be a third down back. He could play wide receiver. He's, he's a slash player. He's 4.41 speed. He's explosive. And, you know, he could take over for D'Angelo next year. I know the Steelers met with him at the Combine. Uh, he had over 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns last year. And I think this is the guy that Todd Haley has been looking for, you know, when he drafted – or they – Steelers chose to draft Chris Rainey and Drew Archer. Archer. This guy is the real deal. So do you think that might – I don't know if it's a reach because they do need – they do need someone at that position. I guess it's not because if you have the Steelers going – addressing the secondary of their first two rounds, I think you're right. I think definitely if the Steelers go safety cornerback, vice versa, the first two rounds, I definitely can see them taking a play – I'm actually mirroring you right now. I didn't pick the same player. I'm kind of mirroring you here a little a little bit here. With my third pick, I mean, you went true offensive guy. And I like the number you threw out, 13 touchdowns. You know, you and me both. We look at stats, we look at college stats, and you try to figure out, kind of like money ball, like what stats really matter when you're looking at someone's potential success <clears throat> from college to the pros. I like touchdowns. Because to me that shows you can, you can finish the job and get the ball in the end zone. And that's more red zone success. And that's, if I'm being nitpicky, that's one part of the Steelers' offense that could have been improved last year was the red zone efficiency. I mean, think offhand, they tried 42 field goal attempts last year in the regular season, and then Boswell kicked seven in two playoff games. So, I mean, just being honest, that's one place they can get better. So, I do like that aspect of the guy you, you had picking up there. So, I'm going to go with Cyrus Jones, quarterback of Alabama. So, I, I said this is kind of like your pick because while he won't help out the offensive end, this guy does have returning experience at Alabama, and the Steelers obviously need a return man. And also, um, Jones is a playmaker. He uh, you know, had five picks, <clears throat> 18 breakups during his time with Alabama. He's played against big-time SEC you know, opponents. So, I don't know, I, just, I really like this guy's upside. And I think at 89, uh, especially the way I've built this draft, like you and me have built our drafts differently this time out. I went defensive tackle first round, and so now I have to go with defensive back with the next two picks. And I think the Steelers would do that. Now, conversely, if they go with cornerback, receiver, they, they, address, or they address secondary right away, like you said, I think they will go off as a playmaker. So, and that's the thing. That's the beauty of mock drafts. That's the beauty of this whole science, is that one pick will, will, will affect all the other ones and affect the course of the team's draft from that point on. So, this is kind of cool. I think the Steelers are going to do one of the two things we're doing. I think they're either going to, you know, do the tackle thing and then hit the secondary hard or hit the secondary hard and then go playmaker slash returner and then defensive tackle. So, um, But I'll shut up for now, Scott. I'll give it back to you. Who do you have the Steelers taking with the fourth pick in the draft, the 123rd selection overall? Well, the fourth pick, if, if I couldn't get Von Bell in, in the second round because he's already gone, I'm going to get the other safety for Ohio State uh, in the fourth round. Tyvis Powell, safety, Ohio State, 6'3", 207 pounds. Runs a 4'4". He had eight picks in his career. He's good in pass coverage. Um, he needs to work on his run support. I believe the coaches will fix that. But like I said in earlier podcasts, we need a safety that can cover. You know, Mike Mitchell can play kind of your center field. You know, you saw Will Allen try to do that last year. I think this guy can do it. He's got the size to go after tight ends. 
you know, over the middle. Um, I like I like what we could get here, you know, for value in the fourth round. You know, Von Bell's kind of the, the splash player, but uh, Powell, he kind of holds it together. Uh, so I'm taking Tyvis Powell here for, with the fourth pick. I love that pick, not just because he's a Buckeye, because of what you said. When, you know, obviously any player in this draft after – even the first-round guys have – you know, there's no one I don't think in this draft that's a can't miss. I really don't. I mean, whether I'm wrong, even Jalen Ramsey, doesn't he have like no career interceptions at Florida State? So, you know, I don't know if I call that a weakness or not. That's definitely a question mark. So, I don't think there's any can't miss players in this year's draft. So, especially when you get to the fourth round, there's going to be question marks. And if Powell's, and I don't know if this is true, but if Powell's biggest question mark is run support and he plays safety. We don't necessarily need a stout tackler, a run support guy at safety this year, the way our team's built. I'm good with that. Because, like you said, we've got Mike Mitchell. We've got other guys. Hopefully the cornerbacks we bring in will be better in run support. Hopefully our outside linebackers will get better in run support. And they were fine this year. I had no issues with the Steelers besides Antoine Blake and, and sometimes Ross Cockrell, their issues in run support. I had no other issues with the team's run support last year. They got way better after that New England game in terms of, like, you know, uh, not allowing uh, missed tackles and things of that nature. So I like that pick. And, and again, you know, that's just a guy that, that can add depth and, and at best compete and, and push for that starting safety job. So, you know, I, competition is so important in all phases of life, especially on NFL teams. So I like that pick. With my fourth-round pick, I'm going to do what you did uh, essentially in the third round. I'm going to go with the, the 123rd pick. You were taking Braylon Addison, wide receiver of Oregon, not a big guy, 5'10", 190. Has pretty decent numbers in college, 146 catches, 1937 yards receiving, 20 touchdowns. He also scored three touchdowns on punt returns during his time with the Ducks. So, again, this is this is the punt return guy. And when I wrote this article on Steelers on 24-7 Sports, we kind of think that nobody would really remember him. Uh, that wasn't the case. A lot of fans said they've watched him, they like what they see from him. So, you never know. Maybe Maybe this could be the guy. Again, kind of that... Uh, that's, I mean, I don't want to compare him to Dry Archer, but he does have some of that. He's, he's just, again, a, uh, he looks like a ball of muscle that is just fast, but he definitely has, you know, what, 20 pounds and or four inches on Dry Archer. So, you know, and again, we go back to Dry Archer. I mean, the guy, and I think we both would agree, I mean, there's nothing personal. He just, he was small. He's five, you know, he's five, what, five, six, five, seven, 170 pounds. That's just small. So hopefully Addison can give us the dimensions that he never did. And you never know. You know, he might just be our kick and punt return guy, or he could, you know, uh, battle for number the number five receiver. I love where our receivers are right now. I don't know if you'd agree, Scott, but I I want to see them bring in someone else that can compete. I want someone that can push Coates. I think with Hayward Bay, we know what he's going to bring. Maybe 300 yards, 400 yards, 25 catches at most from him. I mean, that's it. And that's fine with with where he's at in his career and what we need him to do and on our other personnel receiver. But we definitely need to bring someone else in to push Coates, to push Wheaton. Again, these guys seem like they're already dedicated guys on their own. I'm hearing a lot of reporters, Mark Caboli, saying that, that Coates has just been a gym rat uh, in the Steelers' uh, facility this offseason. But again, I don't know. I, I want them to bring someone else in that can, that can push them while still help out other parts of the team if he doesn't stick uh, as a top-four receiver on their roster next year. So, all right, Scott, now we're already in the sixth round, buddy. This mock draft is flying. Who do you got with the 220th pick? Well, I got you a defensive tackle in the first round. I got you a corner in the second. 
I got you a kick return running back specialist in the third playmaker. Fourth round, I got you a safety. So sixth round, I'm going with another cornerback. This guy can also help out on special teams. I'm going with Corey Tindall, cornerback out of Marshall, 5'10", 182 pounds. He's not afraid to get his nose dirty. He had 197 tackles over the past three seasons. He can play the nickel. He can be a gunner on special teams. He had two picks last year, and he likes to blitz. He can play the run well. I like this guy. I like this guy for depth in the secondary. Who knows? He could possibly be a starter someday. But he's got grit. I think Carnell Lake would like him. I'm going with Corey Tindall. I like that pick. And, and again, you're, you, this draft for you is about personnel. Um, and let me ask you just real quick before I keep going. Did you, did you want to make this draft more of a balanced one based on personnel, or were you thinking more just whoever's best available? Like, I, I feel like you're edging towards you wanted to make this draft more balanced as to what the Steelers need. Um, I was going more for if my guy from the first pick wasn't there. Um, who was going to be the best to fill that need. And this guy in the in the sixth round, if he's there, I think that's going to be a good pick for the Steelers. Um, obviously, we all know secondary needs help. Um, I think this guy can push anybody, you know, on that team from what I've seen tape of him and how he plays. Almost 200 tackles in his career. I mean, the guy's a tackling uh, machine, and that's what we need in our secondary, somebody who's not afraid to get up in somebody's face and say, you're not throwing it over here. I'm with you. I agree. We need that. We need that. You know, even Lee Flowers wasn't the greatest safety, but he brought a presence that you, that you need in the secondary. Paul Malu, Ryan Clark, we, we, you're right. And we need guys like that to make our secondary better. So I actually went with, uh, for my sixth pick, the 220th pick, I'm going to be honest. I looked at, you know, projected where people were going to be drafted. I looked at 220. I wanted to draft a quarterback. I saw this guy was right in the range where the Steelers will be drafting, and that's Arkansas quarterback Brandon Allen. And, you know, you look at his numbers. I mean, again, full disclosure, I watched him just a few times during his college career, liked what I saw. He has command of an offense. I like that. I know in Arkansas's bowl win recently this past year, um, even when they were, weren't even throwing the ball, just the way he commands the huddle, the way he gets his guys to the line, um, even when they were just trying to assault away the the game on running plays, you could just tell he's got a leadership presence about him. So, again, this is me just kind of just evaluating little things I saw from the outside. I like those things I saw. Plus, you look at the tangibles. You know, he threw for 7,463 yards during his time at Arkansas. His career completion percentage, not very good, 57-4. But look what he did his senior year, 65.9% completion percentage, 3,440 yards, 30 touchdowns. This is a great – this is a Ben-esque number, 30 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So, you know, this guy definitely got better through his career. Again, if you look at um, his first three years, he had 18 picks, just eight his last year. Um, He threw almost half of his career touchdown passes in his senior year. This guy got a lot better. I would say the only knock on him, he's not that big. He's 6'1", 217. The Steelers actually talking quarterbacks. They actually uh, reportedly have interest today in small school Gannon quarterback Liam Nadler. Uh, This guy is the exact opposite of uh, the guy I just talked about, Brandon Allen. When you look at Nadler, he actually is tall, 6'7", 235. His career uh, completion percentage was uh, 
58%. He was 55% of the seniors, so he actually got worse. He did, and he also throws a lot of picks. I think he threw 34 his first two years. He only threw 10 his last two years. But, man, when you have 44 college interceptions, that that's kind of a red flag. So, um, so I don't know. But the issue is he's got the intangibles. He's the 6'7", 235 guy. So, but personally to me, I'd rather have Allen because I don't think – I could be wrong. I don't know if, uh, you know, Russell Wilson seems to be doing fine. I don't know how, how mobile Allen is. I didn't do much research on that. But when I look at – the improvement he made at Arkansas. Because, um, again, when I look at Nadler, he, he never really had that wow breakout year. He got – he improved. But when you look at what Allen was able to do under a coaching change and all the things down there, um, he's done really well. So I think if he's sitting around there, I think he should be the guy the Steelers take. And I, I'm more impressed with him than Kessler. I think Kessler's good. Um, this is not necessarily a big knock on him, but what USC quarterbacks really do well on the pros. You know, it's just – Whatever it is, I just they don't do well. So, for whatever reason, from what I've seen with Allen, if he's sitting there, I don't see any reason why the Steelers would take him. Um, so I, I, that's enough out of me for this one. So who do you got now? Just nine spots later. Now it's a different draft round. Now we're getting to the seventh round. But the Steelers, uh, they're going to be really active. The last uh, thirty picks of the draft, thirty-ish picks from two twenty to two forty-six, the Steelers have three picks. Scott, with the two hundred twenty-ninth pick, who do you have the Steelers taken? The seventh round, I got him taking Rodney Hardrick, uh, inside linebacker out of Oregon. He's six one, two forty five. He adds depth to the position behind Timmons. Um, he can play special teams. He's done a lot on special teams. Uh, had some special team uh, runbacks. Um, you know, this is a guy that can help fill what Sean Spence gave to us uh, for the three years or two, two or three years that he played. Uh, I really like this guy. I'd like the Steelers to uh, sneak him in at the in the later rounds. I'm going with uh, Rodney Hardrick out of Oregon. You know, I like it. I like it. And, and man, again, you you continue to kind of have a nice, well balanced draft. And you know, for my seventh round pick or my my first seventh round pick, I'm going to go uh, into the Big Ten and get Lawrence Thomas. Defensive end, Michigan State, the 229th pick in the draft for the Steelers. And, again, uh, just like the last pick I made with Nat, or, um, with Arkansas's quarterback, I just kind of looked at who might be available. And, and kind of like you, I was kind of looking for a nice balanced draft. You know, I, I took care of the defensive tackle early um, and then, you know, swung big for, for you know, Joseph and uh, Jones. Then after that, I kind of went for the playmaker, did all that stuff. Well, I know the Steelers have been looking at edge rushers, guys that, that either are defensive ends that could – transfer linebackers. For whatever reason, I, I just haven't had it, the Steelers draft any linebackers yet, for whatever reason. So, I went with Thomas, and the thing that I liked when I looked at Thomas, um, you know, early in his career, he just, people looked at him as a bust. He was a, a big high school prospect before he got to East Lansing, and he didn't do much, but um, this past year, uh, when you talk to, when you read quotes from Mark D'Antoni, their coach, uh, he's pretty high on Thomas, you know, uh, he went from pretty much being a bust and not playing much to earning Big Ten honorable mention. And that comes from the Big Ten's coaches, which is pretty cool. He had 38 sack, uh, tackles last year, five tackles for loss, three sacks, and six passes broken up. And I like that last number because that shows that if he's not trying – he's not all about getting sacks and, and tackles for loss. You know, he'll try to disrupt passing plays and, and won't give up even if he's getting blocked. I, I love that aspect. So, you know, and, and if you remember – 
about this time in last year's draft, I know it was late in the sixth, we got Anthony Ciccolo and, and LT Walton. Walton, to me, is the biggest steal rookie that's still on the team from last year that has to show me something. Because, you know, a lot of the reason why we're in this predicament now is because he didn't show us anything last year, like nothing. I can't remember one positive thing he did. I'm not trying to be too hard on him because he was a rookie, but I'm just calling it as I see it. So let's hope that Thomas or someone late in this draft, and I think they're just going to try to find someone. And, again, if that's the only knock on him is that he was a slow starter and if the light came on and he was just a late bloomer, this could be a steal. Whenever I see those things, when I, when I read scouting reports, those always jump out to me because it shows me that his best football might still be ahead of him. And for whatever reason, it just took him a while to get going, which certainly is going to plummet your stocks, your draft status. So, man, Scott, this show flew by. So uh, let's just go to your last pick. Who do you got for the Steelers' last pick of the draft? Well, you would think that I would be taking an offensive lineman here, but I'm not. I'm going to take a quarterback. I'm going to take Nate Sudfeld out of Indiana, 6'5", 230. Uh, he had 60% completion rate throughout his career. Um, scans the field well. He stands in the pocket. He's got to stay healthy. But if we're going to keep Landry Jones, I think this guy can push him. He's either going to push him to do something in that second quarterback role, the backup role, or he's going to supplant him. I'm going to take uh, Nate Sudfeld out of Indiana here. Awesome, awesome. With my last pick, I'm going to go with Kyle Friend, Lyman from Temple. Um, the Steelers, again, you know, they want to – I think they're going to go Lyman. I think they're going to go, in my opinion, earlier than seventh round. And that's saying we're going to do one more draft before this thing is all said and done. We'll have the third and final mock draft debate. And, I'm convinced that I can do a better draft. I like this draft, but, you know, for me, I think I think I can pick a better alignment. Not No knock on friend, but I think they might address this earlier in the draft. So, But, you know, he was a four-year starter in college. That's the first thing I liked about him when I was looking at his, uh, his scouting report. And, uh, you know, a, a bulky, strong guy. Uh, he, you know, he, there's a couple guys here he reminds me of. And, uh, you know, he can play multiple positions. That's the second biggest thing. He reminds me of Cody Wallace. That was the name I was kind of stout, not as tall. I think more, a little bit more just like sturdy, but kind of gives you that Cody Wallace look to give you a number um, or to give you a, a player that the Steelers have to compare him on. Um, and as I said, you know, he's he's played guard, he's played tackle, he's played center. Um, and the other thing is when you look at the intangibles, his coaches rave about his toughness, tenacity, and leadership skills. So, again, late in these drafts when you've got players that have holes – in their in their you know stats or whatever, um, you have to look for these little things. Just like Thomas from Michigan State, I guess you know his big thing was that he was just a late bloomer. So you know, uh, you know for this guy, you know when you look at his strengths that might not show up on paper, you know this guy looks like a leader, a guy that that's about winning. I mean I think that's the biggest misconception. When you're young, you think every player his dreams win a Super Bowl. No, a lot of these guys want to make money. So what differentiates the guys that also care about? money and winning as opposed to just money. And hopefully they care about winning first. You try to look for guys like this. So that concludes our, our round two version of the Pittsburgh Steelers morning podcast draft debate. Scott, I'm asking you one question. I didn't prep you for this. But I want your honest, straight-up opinion. If you can pick one Steelers quarterback to lead your team in the fourth quarter, are you going Bradshaw or are you going Big Ben? I'm going Bradshaw. Okay, I like gotta, it. What, uh, I got to go, go with Terry. 
little any any reasoning any any because that was easy for you you made that pretty quick and I and I didn't mean to put you on the spot but I guess I did I, I like getting honest opinions what was the thinking there uh, he's won more Super Bowls um, I don't know the statistics on his comebacks uh, or anything like that but uh, he definitely got it done in the biggest games you know Ben's done it once um, I got to go with the guy that's done it uh, more times and I'm going to go with uh, Terry. Plus, he's a little more in my bracket. So. I was going to ask you what Steelers receiver is the best of all time, but I'll save that for next. Now you know what I'm going to ask you going in next time. Because I like to end the show with some historical reference, which I've gotten away from. Um, I'm, I'm going – this is tough for me. And I, I you gave me a straight-up answer, so I have to give you one. As I asked my dad about this, because he's 60 and he's seen all the Super Bowls, he told me this. He goes, I think if you look pound for pound, Ben is the better quarterback. Ben's a better quarterback pound for pound. But Terry played better in the big game. So to be different, I'm going to go Ben just from the standpoint that I've seen him will the team back from from big deficits. And I've never seen Bradshaw do that. And I know that Ben has a lot of Super Bowl, which I think if Ben was 3-0, you might be more inclined to go with Ben, maybe not. But 3-0 looks a lot better than 2-1, especially when you're comparing him to a 4-0 guy. I mean, it's very hard to – you know, to, to bet against Bradshaw. Any, I mean, even if it was the 49ers, I mean, that's not a slam dunk to pick Montana. I mean, I would probably go Montana, but I don't. There's no slam dunk when with Terry Bradshaw, four-time Super Bowl winner. I mean, very few. So, to me, uh, with Ben, it's, I just like the fact that yes, you know, there's been times he hasn't gotten it done in the clutch, but but overall, just the fact that. You know, if the Steelers were down by 20 going into the – which their team was so good that wouldn't have happened in a playoff game. And it never happened in a playoff game that Bradshaw was in control of late. You know, if they were down 20 in a playoff game, could Bradshaw have brought them back? I don't know. We ne- we won't know. And that's the luxury of that he enjoyed. And it's a good thing that he didn't have much – no experience in those situations. But, you know, I know one – I know they lost to Oakland 33-14 in the 73 playoff game. So that would have been the game and the 24-7 game to Oakland 76 at- – but they were way outmatched because they didn't have Rocky and uh, and Harris. So I'm, I'm, I don't really put that on Terry. But, you know, to me, when you look at, you know, the Ravens playoff rallies, you know, what he was able to do against the Bengals, you know, to me, even even the Packers game, we were out of that game. I mean, it was 21-3, to and it looked over by the third quarter. And he pushed us back, and he just didn't have a great receiver and uh, didn't have a clutch player to, to, to pull an in for him late. So I'm going to go Ben, but, but I think you would agree, Scott, you can't really go wrong either way. No, you, you can't go wrong with either either one of them. But if you're going to talk about great comebacks, you got to talk about the immaculate reception. You do. I hey, I'm, I'll give that to you. I, I think that's, you know, that's probably the the, the great. I mean, obviously that's the greatest. That's the greatest moment in Steeler history. But what the funny thing is, I mean, I think we would all say, well, no, I would. Would you say that was Terry's defining moment? I would say that's more like Franco's defining moment. I would say Terry's was. I could be wrong. I think Terry's defining moment was Super Bowl XIII because that's when, uh, you know, Dallas and, and Hollywood Henderson said he couldn't spell cat if he gave him the C or the A or the A to the, a to the T, whatever it was. And that was and the first time in his career he threw for over 300 yards in a Super Bowl. He said he then Super Bowl record for completions, yards, and touchdowns in a game, all three in one game, was the game MVP. So, to me, that was his defining moment. I don't know if that's your indelible moment of Bradshaw, but that's mine. I just think the immaculate reception that that springboarded all this success. After uh, obviously they had the work, they had the right coach in place, 
everything just fell into place after that. And uh, I think that definitely gave them the confidence to move forward uh, going throughout, throughout the 70s, especially with what they had right. before that play happened. And one last thing out of me, and then I'll, I'll let you guys go. We had a little extended show, so thank you guys for listening. We always appreciate your, your support. Um, my moment, my indelible moment of Ben is a game I don't think it's enough credit for. And I know you know, you know you're going to know what game this is when I say it. AFC Championship game against Denver. A year after Ben threw the three interceptions against New England, they lost by 14. He promised Jerome as that game was ending he was going to win him a Super Bowl if he came back. And we came into that game, and Ben, what Steelers did, and it wasn't even close. And Denver was good. They were 13-3. and They had to throw New England, uh, you know, the week before. It was Tom Brady's first ever playoff loss. The Steelers, it was a blowout. And a lot of that was Ben. Yeah, the defense played really well. But Ben was – that's his best game in my opinion. Not statistically. He's had better games. But um, how he commanded the offense, how he was daring. I mean, right before the half, throws a touchdown pass against – arguably the best cornerback in the league at that time. So, and Champ Bailey, uh, he just totally pump faked him. And there's awesome uh, shots of Bailey on the sidelines be like, I can't believe I saw for that. <laughs> and then when the Broncos did kind of come back and make it, uh, uh, it was 20, it was 27, I believe to 17 or something like that. Denver got it back to about a 10 point game. Yeah, it was, it was 27, 17. Steelers got a turnover on defense and Ben came right back and scored the game clinching touchdown run. And, and, you know, to me, yes, he struggled in, in you know, the Super Bowl a few weeks later, but they, they do not go to that Super Bowl without Ben. So, um, But that'll do it for this edition of the Steelers Morning Podcast, uh, mock draft edition. We also gave you some history. We gave you some uh, schedule talk, and we gave you some Cortez Allen uh, transaction news. So you got it all if you stuck with us and listened to this podcast. So thanks again, Scott. Always a pleasure. We'll have you back on later. And signing off for this edition, Brian Diardo is saying, as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.